0: Chapter seven of Energy and Vibration This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Recording by Click. Nature's Miracles Volume two Energy and Vibration by Elisha Gray Vibration Chapter seven Echo and Resonance in our last chapter we discussed the subject of reflected sound which is only another name for echo and when we have reached the subject of musical sounds it will appear again under the head of resonance when i was a child i grew up among the hills of southeastern ohio i well remember going often to a certain spot among the hills to have a scrap with another naughty boy who lived or seemed to live away up among the hills a long way off in my childish imaginings i could see him hiding behind some crag or hillock and only showing his head long enough to throw back in perfect mimicry my own words with the most unwearying promptness there were more than one of these spirits in fact a whole family of them they seemed to be brothers for they all spoke with the same quality of voice Each one, however, had to be spoken to from a different point. The only difference seemed to be that one of them was very prompt and loud in his mimicry, almost catching the words out of my mouth before they were spoken, while another was more deliberate and seemed to take time to consider before sending back his saucy message, and when it did come, it was not spoken in so loud a voice as the first boy seemed to have. When I grew older i learned something of the laws of sound and then i understood why i never could call my imaginary boys from their hiding places i learned that all this mimicry was simply a reflection or an echo of my own voice and that the quick loud voice came from the reflecting surface of a hill nearby and that the one slower to respond and not so loud was a reflection from a hill at a greater distance from me i learned this lesson if you say nothing your words cannot be thrown back at you or as the arab proverb has it of thy unspoken word thou art master thy spoken word is master of thee i once stood in the base of the dome of st paul's london i stood with my face to the wall while a friend stood with his back to me on the opposite side of the dome also facing the wall in this position we could converse with ease in a whisper this was caused by a series of sound reflections that passed around each inner half of the dome and met exactly opposite to the point where the speaker stood the sound was concentrated where the listener stood somewhat in the same manner as though spoken through a speaking-tube in one of the large dome-shaped rooms at the capitol at washington there are two points on the floor where two persons may stand and converse with ease in a very low voice though some distance apart if one person moves a few inches out of position the conversation cannot be heard the ceiling in some way makes two focal points the same as two parabolic mirrors will for light or radiant heat as well as for sound in fact the flight of sound is governed by the same laws as that of light in almost if not quite all respects it is reflected and refracted condensed and dispersed the same as light sounds may be distorted by this law of reflection till there is no resemblance between the original sound as it would seem to one who was near by its source and as it would seem to one who was of a considerable distance and so situated as to get reflections of the original from many points differing not only in distance but in the character of the respective reflecting surfaces almost everyone has seen himself or herself in one of those curious mirrors so made as to produce a distorted image of whatever is reflected by keeping this in mind you can get a mental picture of what takes place when sounds are distorted a minister once told me an amusing story of how a young man was called to preach by one of these distorted sounds he did not feel quite sure of his call so he submitted his case to what he thought would be a crucial test. He lived in a country of high hills and sinuous valleys. He betook himself to the fields, far away from human habitation, and here he prayed that, if the Lord wanted him to preach, he would give him an audible sign of no uncertain sound. His prayer was answered in the affirmative almost as soon as uttered, in a most pronounced and astounding way, there came to his ears a most unearthly sound unlike anything that had ever come within his experience and he went home with a clear-cut conviction respecting his duty as a future minister of the gospel upon investigation it was found that over in one of the valleys there was quietly grazing one of those long-eared four-footed animals so noted for their wonderful vocal powers just as the young man had uttered his prayer the animal as if in answer, spoke to the hills as only such animals can. The hills played tennis with his voice. It bounded and rebounded from rock to crag and crag to peak and from a thousand other reflecting surfaces until the voice, not lovely at its best, was twisted and distorted into a thousand hideous combinations of all that was unlovely, uncanny and horrible by the time it reached the ear of the young seeker of a sign and because it was unnatural, he concluded that it was supernatural. Resonance, resounding, is really echo, but the term applies to echoes or sound reflections only when the time between the original sound and the reflected sound is practically nil. The intervening space of time is so short that the original and the echo sound seem to sound in unison. The result is that the sound as a whole is vastly increased and enriched. Makers of musical instruments take advantage of this phenomenon of resonance, which is the chief factor in giving the quality of tone that belongs to any class of musical instruments. The pipe of the organ, the soundboard of the piano, and the body of the violin are all used to take advantage of this law of resonance. Bodies of air enclosed in any way as in a tube, or in any other form, have a certain rate at which the enclosed air will vibrate in sympathy with a tone, the vibration rate of which is the same as the fundamental or natural rate of the enclosed air body. It will be observed that air bodies, when enclosed, follow the same law as solids in that they have a fixed rate of vibration when set in motion. If we take a tube, say sixteen inches long, closed at one end, and a tuning fork that vibrates at a rate of 256 times per second, and bring them together so that the vibrating fork will be over the mouth of the tube, the sound of the fork will not be increased to any extent. Now excite the tuning fork again, and gradually fill the tube with water. When it reaches a point 13 inches from the top or open end of the tube, a full tone, not unlike that of an organ pipe, will be heard. It will be seen from this experiment that the fundamental rate of vibration of a column of air in a tube closed at one end and 13 inches high is 256 vibrations per second. Organ pipes depend wholly upon their resonant quality for the peculiar individuality of tone that they possess. Any vibrating body having a rate in unison with the fundamental air column in the pipe will cause the pipe to sound the exciting body may be held over the open end of the pipe or placed at a narrow opening at the stopped end of the pipe some organ pipes are made to sound by a reed a thin tongue of wood or metal vibrated by the blowing of air upon it and others by a jet of air blowing on a feather edge in a narrow opening at the closed end of the pipe like a boy's whistle the resonance of a piano comes from the soundboard and not from confined air bodies. The board is so constructed as to be sympathetic to any rate of vibration that the various strings are capable of transmitting to it. If a string is vibrated alone in the air, the sound is very feeble, but when strained over and at its ends in contact with a suitable soundboard, the sound is loud and distinct, because the board which vibrates in sympathy with the string presents a large surface to the air, and therefore moves it with much greater energy than it is possible for the string to do, which presents only a small surface to the air. The same is true of the violin, only in a much greater degree. The violin, when perfectly made, has all the variety of gradation in pitch of the human voice. It combines a resonance of both the soundboard and the air cavity. I once went under one of the falls of Niagara, the water descended from an overhanging rock leaving a great cavern between the fall of water and the rock back of it there were rocks piled up in front of the section of the falls that i was exploring so that it was possible to pass around in front as well as to go in behind it the difference between the roar when outside and in front and that experienced when back of the fall was something wonderful inside it seemed as if all the pent-up thunders of the universe were turned loose and the sound was deafening i observed the same phenomenon when crossing the river reuss in switzerland at a point called the devil's bridge the river at that point plunges over a precipice into a cavern the vibrations that are set up in the cavern produce the effect of loud thunder End of chapter seven